Well, that was the opening music to A Christmas Carol from 1951. And it's starring... Alastair Sim. Yes, thank you. Alastair Sim. And many people consider this to be the definitive version and... That seems to be your opinion as well, right, Dad? Oh, it is, yeah, of all the ones. And there have been many made. This is my yeah, favorite. that's for sure. A close second is the uh, film that was made in 1938 uh, of The Christmas Carol, the same theme. But Well, and we can't forget the Bill Murray version either. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, I think what does it for me is both the story and Alastair Sim. He could almost make me involved and interested in a film if he was just standing there because he's got such an interesting face. Old Marley was as dead as a doornail. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm going to relate. The register of his burial was signed by Scrooge and Scrooge's name was good on the London Exchange for anything he chose to put his hand to. And his timing and comedy is, is hilarious. And you're listening to Classic Movie Reviews and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon, just search for Classic Movie Reviews at patreon.com. And I'm Matt Johnson, and, and I'm coming to you from rainy, gray North Bend today. And this is Bob Johnson in Los Angeles in our fall weather, welcoming everyone back to Classic Movie Reviews and our review of The Christmas Carol from 1951, which in the United Kingdom was called Scrooge. So they had that they title changed it for the United States and maybe some other locations. My favorite among all those Scrooge movies, <clears throat> and the uh, the director was Brian Desmond Hurst. You gotta love that name. It sounds very dignified. And Mr. Hurst uh, did some really really excellent films. I was saying <clears throat> earlier that. Uh, some of those we might want to include in a festival of his, his films or other British films or other foreign films. A couple that come to mind that he did um, in 1953, he did The Malta Story with Alec Guinness, and it's about the, uh, the country or state of Malta, which was isolated in the Mediterranean, and how it uh, fought in World War II. Really excellent film. And another one <laughs> which is quite odd and funny. His and Hers from 1961 with Terry Thomas. And this is the story of some husband who foolishly is trying to impose his will on his wife. And it's a series of, of missteps on the part of Mr. Thomas. <laughs> Pretty good. And then Alastair Sim, Sim and Scrooge Oh, what a long career he had. Uh, he did 75 films, by my count. No, I'm sorry, I had that wrong. He, does, he did 50. His age was 75. He lived to be 75. He did 50 films. Uh, again, some other British films of his that are excellent. Green for Danger from 1946. Uh, the Green Man from 1956. And the... Bells of St. Trinian's from 1954, which is about the most mishap, misrun uh, private school you could ever imagine. Really funny. Anyway, <laughs> that's the background. And um, the music uh, is very integral to the film. 
done by Richard Attencell, and it was distributed by United Artists here in the United States. So I think that's, and it, it did very well, and still does. I mean, it plays every year. <clears throat> yeah, it's really well-reviewed. It's um, got 8.1 stars out of 10 on IMDb. Um, so that's pretty high. And I think the ratings are fairly consistent as I was kind of looking through some of those, but yeah, it's, it's a fun movie. Like we watched it as a family. Well, not the entire family, but quite a few of us watched it. Um, we have this new tradition now on Sunday nights where we watch the movie that we're going to be reviewing that following Friday. And so it's been fun to watch quite a few of these older movies with uh, the kids and we all enjoyed it and thought that for the time the special effects were actually pretty good and pretty scary in some parts with the the ghosts and and especially Alastair Sims acting and really bringing forth kind of that fear that he had as as the night progressed oh he was yeah he was well suited to be Ebenezer Scrooge man the man was um, he, he's just he's just one of my favorites he, he I, I, I never get tired of watching him because he's so good at what he does and his face is the most interesting it could be. It's amazing. It was fun to kind of think about this movie it came out just a couple of years before East of Eden. You know, so these are these two movies are fairly contemporary, but they're uh, so different and they just look so different on the screen too when you're watching them. Another bit of trivia, and I, I wanted to mention that one of the actors in the film, Patrick McNee, Oh, yeah, from the Avengers. That's what I know him from. He plays the young Jacob Marley, and uh, he he lived uh, to be 93. That's a long life. Yeah, I really liked him as an actor. He was good. He was perfect in that TV show, but anyway. he So he lived to be how old? 93? He lived to be 93, and he was uh, active in, in entertainment uh, up into his 80s. And it seems to me he was in one of the James Bond films, but I, not not as James Bond, but I think he had a role in one of those. Did a lot of different films. Well, anyway, Scrooge, or A Christmas Carol from Dickens, Charles Dickens, he wrote this in 1843. I remember reading it as a kid, not in 1843, but, <laughs> um, and it, it just, it, it comes to life and it's, um, he wrote so many wonderful stories, Tale of Two Cities and so forth. But this one just grabbed you. And it, it was really kind of a novella. It wasn't a long, wasn't a long book. It's Yeah, it's really more of a social commentary, I think, as was a lot of his writing. As a young child, I remember uh, my mom and dad had a recording of the Christmas of A Christmas Carol. I'm not sure who did it. I think it was from probably a Lux Radio Theater on CBS back in the 1940s. Every Christmas Eve, we would uh, listen to this record of this story. And it was enthralling to me every time we did that. Oh, that's a cool memory. That's really neat. Yeah, it is. I That record has long gone, but um, I do remember that, you know. I bet you could find that on the internet somewhere, though. Oh, yes. A lot of those old-time radio shows that were on... Uh, vinyl were are now available for download on the internet have you ever seen a, a, a photo of the recording uh, of those old uh, radio shows on the on the vinyl i mean those things those vinyl 
copies were huge. I, I saw one uh, at a museum, I forget where. It's it's even bigger than a 33 and a third or the laser things. That, you mean like the like the master recording? Yeah, the master they, recording the... that they did was it's on this No, I've huge, never seen that. They never, I don't think they ever made a commercial copy like that, but it was something. Boy, I digress. Well, I, I didn't even know they did master recordings on vinyl for those shows, so that I just learned something new. That's cool. Yeah, those would be worth That makes money. sense, though, because that's the technology that they would have had available to them for not so much money. Yeah. So Patrick McNee was in A View to a Kill. I just looked it up. One of my favorite uh, James Bond movies. I knew he was in one. Yeah, he was always suave and debonair, no matter what. He looked really good in a in a three piece suit, driving around in a British sports car. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh well, a Christmas Carol. Pretty. There's a there's a one of the things I thought about this time watching it that, um, I don't know. I I guess I probably think about this every time I watch it. Is is just the fact that this is happening at that transition period between the more rural economy to the um, economy of mass production, you know, like the industrial revolution. And there's a really, there's a really great scene in this version where um, what's his name? The, the, the person who was um, Ebenezer's boss, but, but was when he was kind of learning to, Oh, not his partner, Jacob Marley, but his boss. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I, that's one I don't... Was it old Fitzwig? Fezziwig. Yeah. Old Fezziwig. Fezziwig, yeah. Played uh, by Roddy Hughes. Yeah, there was a scene where, during the kind of the flashback for the Ghost of Christmas Past, where uh, Fezziwig is being talked to about selling out and and progress and how, you know... You've got to change. And Fezziwig's like, you know, not all change is good just for the sake of change. I've seen enough. Yet more waits. I won't look. You shall. Now see yourself in business, Ebenezer. Come, come, Mr. Fezziwig. We're good friends, I think. Besides good men of business, we're men of vision and progress. Why don't you sell out while the going is good? You'll never get a better offer. This is the age of the machine and the factory and the vested interests. We small traders are old history, Mr. Fezziwig. <laughs> Dodos. Yes, I dare say we are. And the offer is a very large one, I have to admit. But it's not just for money alone that one spends a lifetime building up a business, Mr. Jorky. <laughs> well, if it isn't, I'd like you to tell me what you do spend a lifetime building up a business for. It's to preserve a way of life that one knew and loved. No, I can't see my way to selling out to the new vested interests, Mr. Jorkin. I'll have to be loyal to the old ways and die out with them if needs must. Well, <laughs> you know what they say about time and tide, Mr. Fezziwig? They wait for no one. There's more in life than money, sir. They were talking about all this change happening, but they weren't really talking about how it was going to impact people's lives. You know, the people that were going to be displaced or the people that were going to lose their jobs and that type of thing to, to the, these factory automation jobs. Well, one, one of the influences of Dickens in his novels, the theme is that very struggle. Oh, absolutely. And, and the, the industrialization struggle, the struggle of wealth versus poverty. Uh, and just this, just the way those cities were laid out, they were 
really a mess from a health standpoint. Yeah, they don't show that so much in the in the show, other than it, it the interiors of the like his house and and the office just seem really dark and really sort of claustrophobic. When I when I think about London in that time, the water supply was poor, the sanitation was even worse, and then you have hundreds, if not thousands, of horse horses running around with carriages and all the mess that that creates and other livestock and i mean and then the the coal that was used to heat places what it did to the oh air yeah quality. the coal smoke Gosh, yeah the air quality must have been terrible well it was so bad this was later but in night in the late 1940s it was so bad they closed every closed everything down for several days because it was such a health hazard and that's when they finally woke up to the fact that they'd had to uh especially london they would have to change the, what they were using as a fuel source because they were well i just saw that recently they the air quality in um china in one of the big cities in china was so bad that they were having to shut things down and you know they showed pictures and it was just it looked like the smoke from the forest fires you know that you that you get oh yeah but it was just pollution oh boy well um there's so many scenes that, that set the mood for ebenezer's life uh, I'm thinking when he dines alone in that kind of seedy restaurant. Oh, yeah. And, and he refuses to get another serving of bread because the waiter says there's an extra charge. Oh, yeah. I made a comment about that when I was watching it to say, yeah, he's so cheap he can't even spend <laughs> two pennies on a piece of bread. And and then he goes home. And a scary scene for me, even today, is when the, uh, let's see, he sees his door knocker turn into the face of his seven-year dead partner? That's a really well-done special effect. Scrooge. Yeah, that, that's, that is a good lead-up to the scene where he's in his uh, room eating that porridge by the fire. And then you hear all these like clanking sounds. I know. It, reminded me, it reminded me of that movie, The Uninvited, kind of, oh. where... You know, you've that's got this ghost, this haunted house, and that's a good, that was a pretty scary scene good too. Good comparison. Yeah, it, a lot of this, a lot of the uh, uh, things that were scary in it for me are not well. The, many of the actual images, but the sounds and the noise and his look. In my own head, I, I could make it even worse than it was, and and I love the way his his porridge is refer, is referred to as gruel. Gruel, yeah, which, which it sounds appetizing. It does. Then I'll have a, I'll have a bowl of gruel and a piece of stale bread, if it's not extra. Ah, I tell you. But Marley warns Scrooge about what's what's coming down the road if he doesn't change. I mean. I think that one of the things that makes this movie so wonderful for me is this very scene, the one where, where he's talking to his former partner, among others. Scrooge comments on how heavy Marley's chain looks, and Marley's like, But why do you walk the earth? And why do you come to me? It is required of every man that the spirit within him should walk abroad among his fellow men. If it goes not forth in life, it is condemned to do so after death. It is doomed to wander through the world. <laughs> and witness what it cannot share. 
but life have shared on earth and turned to happiness. Why are you fitted? I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on to my own free will and to my own free will. I wore it. You have my sympathy. Ah. You do not know the weight and length of strong chain you bear yourself. It was full as heavy and as long as this, seven Christmas Eves ago, and you have labored on it since her. It is a ponderous chain. Mark me! And I love that line. One thing that surprised me, though, was when uh, he gets up and goes and looks out the window, and there's that scene of all those uh, ghosts... Kind yeah. of, uh, I I had to watch it again because it was hard to see what was actually happening. But it looked like there were ghosts that were trying to help people in their afterlife, but the people were just kind of ignoring them. I think that's a good. I think that's a good uh, summary of that. It it reinforces just how bad Scrooge had become and what was going to be on his plate. In the, in the near future. I was reading, and I noticed it too, that um, the actor that plays Bob Cratchit is one of the ghosts in that scene when Scrooge looks out the window, and it's never been explained as to why it looks like Bob Cratchit is a ghost in that scene. <laughs> Maybe they just needed another actor. <laughs> <laughs> somebody somebody was late and didn't show up. They said, yeah, you're like, you're going to be a ghost now. <laughs> this, I mean, it could be as simple as that. It really could. Gosh. Definitely. Well, he gets warned by his former partner that he's going to be visited by three different uh, apparitions. And, of course, Scrooge, uh, that look on his face is like, this is terrible. I'm going to go to bed and hide. Remember how he kind of takes refuge? Well, and I think... I think he thinks that it's his bad stomach, that it's it's food. Um, that gruel would make meal, that's for sure. There's a line in the movie that I really liked. That, that you don't believe in me. <laughs> I, I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You, you might be an undigested beef. <laughs> a piece of cheese. A fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of grave. It's, a, it's just a bit of underdone beef on, on the recording <laughs> yeah. that we used to listen to as a child. That, that, that's a funny scene because it's said just about that way. I think real early in the, in the morning, the spirit of Christmas pass arrives. I, I always thought it was like right after midnight or something like that. Yeah, yeah I think it's at one o'clock in the morning. Yeah, maybe one o'clock. And he's uh, the ghost is going to show Scrooge scenes from his past, and and this is really really a heart wrenching moment when you see young Scrooge at school, and 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 he's the he's a loner, he's not wanted by his father, ever since his and because his mother died in childbirth, it's just a miserable miserable existence. I really felt his pain. It's terrible. 
it's the third movie in a row that we've watched where the main character has some serious issues with his father. Yeah. <laughs> we keep getting these themes that come up and we don't even realize they're going to like the, the the movies that we've had with strong women. Yeah. And you'll find that true with Elizabeth Taylor on Sunday night when you watch her. And now we have the yeah. theme of the unwanted child. Yeah, it was really sad actually the scenes. I mean, I've seen this movie like several different times in different versions. Not this particular this is the first time I've seen this particular version, but of course I've seen a lot of other versions of it and it always gets to me that these scenes of his past because it explains a lot about his his character and how he ended up being so miserly and so so bitter well he i believe his sister uh her name is fan fan oh boy where's my list yeah played by carol marsh yeah i think yeah she comes out to the school because her father their father's dying and she has been asking her father can can Ebenezer please come home can he please come home and he'd been saying no he needs to stay at school but now that he's kind of on his deathbed he acquiesces and says yes he should come home and so she's so excited to come and get him and uh he's kind of disbelieving at first that she that he actually can come home I, I I would agree with how he felt because he'd been he'd been shutted off to us of the side for so long, and I found it. Her nickname was Fanny. Yeah, she showed love for him. That might have been the only love he ever had as a child. The the other really heartbreaking piece. Oh gosh, this was this was really sad. Was when she was on her deathbed, and he is so heartbroken and upset that he leaves before she asked him to please please uh, her dying wish was for him to take care of her son no spirit not here yes here then it's me your brother do you know me Ebenezer I sent for you. Promise me. Promise you what, Fan? I'll promise you anything, dearest. Only that there isn't going to be any need. You're going to get well again, Fan. No. You are. You are. Dear God, you must. Fan, you, you, you can't die. Fan, you, you mustn't die. You're going to get well again, Fan. Fan, you're going to get well again. Ebenezer, brother, Ebenezer, promise me. 
Forgive me, Fan. Forgive me. Forgive me, Fan. Forgive me, Fan. But he didn't hear that, and he only finds out about that through this trip into the past with the ghost of Christmas past. And I thought that was so sad because he realizes that he's he didn't fulfill his sister's dying wish. The only person that really loved him. I know. I mean, he's 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 in a downward spiral as we watch this, and then um, I think the film shifts to that Christmas party where his uh, employer. Old and fizzy wig, and his wife. Yeah, yeah, they're they're so joyous and happy and and dancing and yeah, that was great. But that's not to last because then, uh, Mister Jorkin shows up and 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 convinces him that life is really a hard and cruel place, and that he should he should get over his loyalty to old fizzy wig. And it just starts him on that road that... Well, I don't think it took too much convincing. No. Because I think he was already kind of in a in a dark place in his life. Man, I tell you. And and I think he got convinced that money could make him happy. You know, and, and Mr. Jorkin did a good job of selling his case, really. And, you know, you could see the beginnings of, like, the modern capitalist society uh, popping up here. Well, and the, and the theme from this story which is was just 160 years old reoccur today all we have to do to remember that is to see the original wall street movie with michael douglas greed is good the new law of evolution in corporate america seems to be survival of the unfittest well in my book you either do it right or you get eliminated in the last seven deals that I've been involved with, there were 2.5 million stockholders who have made a pre-tax profit of $12 billion. Thank you. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind. And greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much. Yeah, totally. So, uh, well, and there was a bit of that, even with the miracle on 34th Street, uh, 
can we really put the bottom line uh, uh, below our customer service? So it reoccurs, it reoccurs. The commercialism of, of Christmas. Yeah. Well, he takes, uh, Ebenezer makes the mistake, in my view, of taking a clerk job with Jorkin. I love that name. It's not, it should be Jerkin. He's a jerk. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where he meets uh, his, his partner, Marley. Yep. Yep, Patrick McNee shows up. I can't, Jacob Marley. I can't remember if Patrick is in a three-piece suit or not. <laughs> Probably not for this theme. And so Scrooge and Marley buy out old Fizzywig's business. Did you like that meeting? Did you like that uh, scene with the meeting? It, it was like a, a a meeting of two boards, you know, and like <laughs> one one was going to take over the other company, and it could have it could have been a scene right out of Wall Street. Oh honestly. yeah, oh yeah, exactly. It captures and, and, the moment perfectly. And Scrooge and, and Marley have this devious plan to take advantage of this guy who's made a few uh, bad decisions, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and they end up with the full share, you know, like the full 51% ownership of this company. And they have this look on their face where they kind of give each other this look like, aha, we've got him, you know. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, you know, it... I think the reason this this is my favorite film is that you, it, no one has yet been able to recreate this story as well as this film. And I think it's aided greatly by the uh, cinematography and the black and white color. Uh, the black and white and not the color. Yeah, they uh, colorized this movie. I just this can't. Is another I one. Watched it's it, like, yeah, I can't see it. I watched it one time in a colorized version. That just seems wrong it's, in all all ways possible. The shadows are are gone. The 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 hues of darkness that add to the uh, the melancholy of this seem to be washed it's so, away. It's so dark, really, up until the last ten minutes of the film, or maybe even less, where he wakes up in the morning and and is kind of a changed person. But up until that point, it's just so dark. It's almost hard to see some parts because there's very little light, which I think is great. I, I love that it added to that mood. Totally, totally. Another scene, these are kind of coming into my head in sort of a random form. But remember when a Marley lies dying and Scrooge is so obsessed with money, he refuses to visit his old friend during business hours. And, and yeah, he's like, got to wait oh, till God. the shop closes. Oh, and, say, and the woman's like, well, I'll try to keep him alive until then, and rolls her eyes at him, like, oh, my God. Yeah. It's like, uh, anyway, we move to our second spirit of Christmas, uh, the, Christmas the spirit of Christmas present. I'm coming. Come in. Come in. I'm coming.
the pleasure had been indefinitely postponed. So? Is your heart still unmoved towards us then? I'm too old and beyond hope. Go and redeem some younger, more promising creature. Leave me to keep Christmas in my own way. Mortal, we spirits of Christmas do not live only one day of our year. We live the whole 365. So is it true of the child born in Bethlehem? He does not live in men's hearts only one day of the year, but in all the days of the year. You have chosen not to seek him in your heart. Therefore, you shall come with me and seek him in the hearts of men of goodwill. Come, touch my robe. I love that guy. He's got such a hairy chest and he's wearing that crown. <laughs> no, and it looks like he's got nothing on under his robe. He's just... <laughs> he, he's quite a jovial fellow, isn't he? Yeah. And he believes in the, the old men of goodwill. Hale and hearty, how are you? Let's celebrate well, this Christmas. This is where we get we, we get some classic scenes here with uh, him going to visit his nephew and his nephew not wanting to say anything bad about his uncle, even though everybody in the room is like, that guy is a real bleep. If it had been a modern the movie, they would have definitely dropped dropped some F-bombs, but they you know, didn't in 1951. And then they go and visit the Cratchits, and there's that that scene uh, of just, just the great family interaction and how wonderful of a father uh, Bob Cratchit is to his wife and his kids. Oh, and, and little tiny his, Tim. His wife uh. is... His wife is uh, such a great mother and and wife, and just the kids are all happy, even though they've got like zero money. It seems like. Well, my little cock sparrow, has your own stool by the fire all ready for you. They're such a goose, Martha. I'm sure of it. And pudding, oh the pudding! I shan't be easy till it's eaten. I confess I have my doubts about the quantity of flour. It'll be a perfect pudding, my love. A perfect pudding. <laughs> Won't it, Martha, my dear? Hey, Tim? It'll be the finest pudding in the whole of London this Christmas. And the goose will be the finest goose. And ours will be the finest Christmas. <laughs> Here's the punch, all steaming hot. Oh, yeah. No, 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 pushing. Take your turn, one and all, if you please. There's enough for one toast now and another after that. There, bravo. There's bounty for you. I declare, I'd like to know how many families of our acquaintance could boast two rounds of the best gin punch. No! And it just points out, it just emphasizes that, you know, money is not going to bring happiness. I think that's the real point of that particular scene. And, and to drive home the point, I believe the spirit of Christmas, uh, old jovial one, drives home the point by saying, just remember, you're the guy who said the, the poor being what they are should just die. And, and and it's in well, reference to you know the, the the illness of Tiny Tim and how how callous he was toward. Yeah, he he, he th- they throw out some lines that uh, Scrooge had said earlier. Yes. and kind of throw it back in his face, and I I love that they were you know throwing those back in his face like that. And I got to tell you that scene I had completely forgot about it when 
the ghost of Christmas present opens his robe and those two children are oh, on his legs. Ignorance that and That sent want. shivers down I my know. spine. That was so effective. I totally oh, forgot about that. They, they were... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and by now, Scrooge is saying, is there no refuge from this? And... Uh, not, not yet. The spirit says because yeah, now he yet. gets to he gets to go to the future. Oh, that, well, remember the earlier statements that they threw back at him too. That are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? He was he was in reference to some some guys came by to ask for a donation, and I think he used yeah, that. And he was so cold hearted. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you love Scrooge at this point, that's <laughs> that would be hard. Because he's just shown to be such a changed person from what he could have been. So Scrooge runs away, but then he encounters the spirit of Christmas yet to come. And I I won't even begin to try to pronounce the actor's name because I will mess it up. But he's in a shrouded garment and, and one hand extended. Oh, what and 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 Scrooge is showing what lies in store for him if he doesn't change. Uh, and the, I think the first place they visit is the Cratchits. Yeah, and there's the there's uh, Tiny Tim's little oh, crutch uh, hanging on the wall, and and he's not there. Yeah. Well, and and Ebenezer is so despondent he says are these visions of things that are for sure going to happen or can they be changed and and we find out that these are things that are possible futures but not necessarily set in stone there was one thing there was one thing i wish that they had done i think i don't know maybe it would have been too scary but if they'd put uh, a skull mask uh, on the actor under the shrouds and and not make it super visible but just in a couple shots of oh. it it looked like he was a skeleton underneath there almost like a, a I faint th- vision yeah it wouldn't have cost anything really but i thought it would just have it would have ratcheted up the scariness of that just a little bit that indeed would have would have done the trick uh, but you know in a movie like this it's hard to find too many flaws like that it's, it's so it's, well it's done. It's the only one that I yeah. thought of so far. <laughs> well, you were watching this with uh, some of your family, and they must have really by now been into this. <clears throat> because it's, compared to contemporary films, it's black and white. It's more subtle, and, and uh, it has to be a real experience for them to have seen it. Because this was the first time they'd probably ever seen it. What's so cool about watching it, now is is that it just is as engaging as i think it probably would have been when it came out in 1951 and it's it just sucks you in within the first few minutes you forget that it's this you know square aspect ratio on the screen and it's black and white and it's kind of grainy and and this i think it's been a it's been restored but in some of the shots they probably didn't have the best quality to restore from so the resolution of the video isn't great but it, it all of that stuff just didn't matter because the story was so strong the acting was so strong cinematography was so strong the music everything and and you just you sort of forget about some of the the presentation of it and and just get transported to this other world 
You really, I think that's part of the, the beauty of it for me. It's, and also growing up in that time, I'm sure that we probably went to see this in the theater when I was 10. And that would have had a profound effect on me at Christmas time to watch this unfold. Uh, and I think... Well, yeah, especially at 10, because a, there's a, quite a few scary scenes for a 10-year-old. 10 or 11, yeah. Well, look what it did to me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been the same. Uh, well, then there's... Uh, this. We move along, and, and the spirit shows, takes Scrooge to his own grave site. Yeah, oh, that was great. Oh, I love that. Neglected and lonely, and now Scrooge just emotionally breaks down and is openly crying. And, and but it's not over yet because no, then we get not. to we get to see what happened in the aftermath of his death and how everybody was just pick picking over his remains like vultures, you know. And even that woman. The best part was the woman that uh, kind of was his house. Oh yes, caretaker, yes, yes, and how she had you know taken his best nightgown and the sheets and they were trying to pawn them off at the at that poor house who goes first what odds now we're all met at the once everyone's got a right to take care of themselves he always did oh that's true enough no one more so why then don't stand staring as if you was afraid woman who's the wiser we are not going to pick holes in each other's coats i suppose no indeed no we hope not <laughs> very well then who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these not a dead man i suppose <laughs> no indeed <laughs> if he wanted to keep him after he was dead why wasn't he amiable in his lifetime if he had been he'd have had somebody with him when he was struck mm. with death instead of lying gasping out his last there alone be himself yeah, there never was a tour word spoke was a judgment on him. I wish it was a little heavier one, and it would have been if I could have laid my hands on anything else. Uh, I, th I thought that whole scene at the the workhouse, I'm not really sure what exactly it was, but there were really young kids kind of working there, and, and it, that just really kind of drove home how terrible the conditions were for, for a lot of people. Oh, for millions of people, yeah. And how just even getting to sell a, a well... Uh, uh, getting to sell a, a, a nightgown that was in really good shape was so valuable. I was taken by the uh, one person who said they'd, they'd only go if uh, if uh, lunch was provided. Oh, to the funeral? To the funeral yeah. if lunch was provided. I'm like, wow. That says a lot about what Scrooge meant to people, which was very little, even with all his money. So... He, he he's he's spent. He just he asks for mercy and pledges that he'll change his ways. We fade and come back into um, suddenly he's awake, and it's morning time, and uh, he has to first of all gather himself and, and and try to figure out what in the world happened. Well, he first of all wants to know what day it yeah, is. And yeah, it's Christmas Day, yeah. and he's so happy about that it's Christmas that Day. That he hadn't missed it. And, and he's like a completely different person. He's got all this energy. He's happy. He's smiling. And the woman that is the housemaid is looking at him like he's gone absolutely insane because he's not being his grumpy old self. And there's that great scene on the stairway where he gives her like four times her weekly salary and... and says here this is a bonus for you go buy a christmas present and raises her weekly salary and she's so excited she just like screams and runs out of there <laughs> ah! 
Don't be violent, Mr. Scrooge, so you'll force me to scream for the beetle. The beetle, madam? <laughs> A thing for the beetle. A guinea? Here, what for? I'll give you one guess. To keep me mouth shut? Hmm? <laughs> to keep me mouth shut? Oh, no. no, 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 Mrs. Dilber. It's for a Christmas present. Christmas present? For me? Of course, for you. <laughs> A merry, merry Christmas. Dear Mrs. Dilber. <laughs> oh, how much do I pay you? Two shillings a week. What? Two shillings? It's forthwith raised to ten. Ten shillings a week here? You're sure you don't want to see a doctor? A doctor? Certainly not. Nor the undertaker. <laughs> now off you go and enjoy yourself. Like a good girl. Bob's your uncle! <laughs> Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge! In keeping with the situation! She's glad he lost his mind. Oh, you know, the thing that, that I loved about the th scene also is that how Alistair Sim changes his, his, his appearance, his look, his everything to, to capture. He stands taller. Yeah, his face, his is, face is less dark. Yeah. And they probably did, he probably did that with very little makeup or anything like that. Just a credit to the... Well, I think it's, it's really like a stage play in that respect. Yeah, it is. A lot of the it effects is, yeah. are pr very practical effects, except for the ghost where they did the film overlay. But uh, I, I, I could see this being put on as a stage play with very little change. Oh, yes, in three acts. Yeah. yeah. Well, then he, then he finds that remarkable boy to go by the biggest... What a remarkable, what a remarkable boy. boy yeah. Go by the biggest <laughs> expensive... First of all, he has to ask if that, if that uh, uh, turkey is still hanging in the window, I think. And the boy says it is. He goes, goes go and buy that. It's the biggest one. That, that anybody knew about. It's bigger than the boy himself, yeah. <laughs> oh, let's see. And then he... Well, and he goes to visit his nephew and he asks for forgiveness. And that was such a heartfelt scene. I really loved it. And everybody was so willing to... They just could tell that he was a changed person. I know. And it, it, it changes everybody's life. And then he goes to visit... Um, no, he doesn't visit the Cratchits in this version, but he does send them that giant goose or, or whatever, the turkey or whatever it was. And Tiny Tim just knows that it's from Scrooge somehow. Like, oh, yeah, right, must... right. In this one, he Scrooge goes to Fred's for dinner and there's a party and dancing with the other guests. Yeah, and while that's happening, the, the, Cratchits, are, the Cratchits are having that really wonderful feast courtesy of scrooge and then we go and then the next day <laughs> yes i love this scene so much this is my favorite scene of the movie because you know scrooge is there bright and early like every other day and uh here comes bob cratchit running in late and he's all worried that he's going to get in trouble or get fired and scrooge starts off like as if he's really upset and he's just tired of Bob being so lazy and late and then just totally changes everything about his countenance his face his demeanor everything changes and he's just like starts laughing and he can't help himself but laugh Cratchit you're late 
sir. What do you mean by coming in here at this time of day? Hmm? I'm very sorry, sir. I am behind my time, sir. Hmm. You are indeed. Step this way, Mr. Cratchit, please. It's only once a year, sir. It won't be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. <laughs> I'm sure you were. Well, we won't beat about the bush, my friend. I'm not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. Which leaves me no alternative but to raise your salary. <laughs> I haven't taken leave of my senses, Bob. I've come to them. From now on, I want to try to help you to raise that family of yours. If you'll let me. Well, we'll, we'll talk it over later, Bob, over a, over a bowl of hot punch. Hmm? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, you, you just go and put some more coal in that fire. You go straight out and buy a new coal scuttle. Isn't you do that before you dot another I, Bob Crackett? <laughs> oh, I don't deserve to be so happy. I can't help it. I just can't help it. And Bob is like, what is going on? I know. It's it's just a wonderful scene. And at this point, I think the narrator, or s- shortly after this, the narrator comes on to say that Ebenezer Scrooge became, and I'm going to quote this because I didn't want to forget, as good a man as the old city ever knew and a second father to Tiny Tim who miraculously recovered from his illness and learned to walk on the right leg without a crutch. And then mm-hmm. you see Scrooge with Tiny Tim, Tim uh, as the film ends. Or I, I guess Scrooge walks with Tiny Tim off into the distance yeah. as the film ends. Yeah. With the tune of Silent Night. Yeah. So, so great. It's such a great Christmas movie. I love watching this movie. Uh, watch, watching a version of this movie. Again, it's the first time I've seen this version. I'll definitely be watching it more in the future, though. Well, I'm looking ahead to next year at this time when we maybe want to do A Christmas Carol from 1938, which is also excellent. And a little darker in some ways, I think, than this one. And then we could do, I don't know if we can do the uh, the, the more recent ones because they may not be before 1980. Well, I, I know the re- Bill Murray one is, is later. That was in the 80s, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I think so. But there was one with George C. Scott that I've seen once. It was, uh, I think, in the 70s. Oh, yeah, I've seen that one. I, was a, I yeah. think it might have been a TV film. I don't know. Uh, well, my rating on this is unequivocally a 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. I, I mix in, I mix in my memories of watch, uh, listening to watching it in nineteen forty-eight. Yeah, listening to this with my family before Christmas on a record. I'd I'd give anything to have that record. I can still remember the label of it. I think it was RCA Victor. Yeah, love that. 
So we both gave it a 10. Well, I, I, I got to watch it and watch it with some of my family, and that just made it way more special. And I could see this becoming kind of an annual thing that we watch this movie. And I, I would give it a 10 as well. I thought it was excellent all the way around. I, I, I only had that one suggestion to make the Ghost of Christmas Future scarier. But I don't even know if that would have been a, the right decision, honestly. So... Well, it's great movie. It's a credit also to the uh, to the direction of Brian Desmond Hurst and the lead Alastair Sim, and and I mentioned earlier that we may want to do some other films by Mr. Hurst because he's the ones that I've seen that he's done, which are not really well known in the U.S. as well as say the U.K. or Europe, the Malta story and and his and hers, but there are many others. He had a long career. These people live a long time. He lived to be 90 or 91. The director, yeah. Probably from all that good living and clean air we talked about. <laughs> <laughs> so, 10s on this one. And, uh, yeah, I guess that wraps it up for our podcast, eh? Uh, yeah, so that's, uh, that's our review of A Christmas Carol, a.k.a. Scrooge, from 1951. And coming to you from North Bend, this is Matt Johnson. And from Los Angeles, Bob Johnson, wishing you all happy movie watching. You know, I, uh, while we're still recording, because you may want to add it at the end, I, uh, I've enjoyed watching these films and then having Haley become involved with us and also Nancy, because it gives me a, a fuller and, and broader perspective on the films that they have reviewed. And, and, and they pick up things that I I hadn't really thought about. So well, Plus, it's just fun to have them involved in the show. Yeah, it's been nice. and. I was going to ask Haley to join us, but she was really sick yesterday, so I didn't want to wake her up. We'll have to fold in other other family members and friends as we go down this road. <laughs> <laughs>